I'm Vicki McCann, and I'm the Director for Curriculum and Instruction with the Archdiocese of Washington Catholic Schools. I'm actually starting my 16th year with the past three years in this role. I wear a lot of different hats, just like you do. I spearhead all things curriculum standards, resources, instruction, which include professional development and even assessment. In this episode, I'm excited to talk about assessment with a focus on special education with Ann Dillon. I think it's important to remember that we don't need to assess everything. During these different teaching models, we need to make strategic decisions about what standards are determined to be priorities. Hi, Ann. Can you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your background? Well, my name is Ann Dillon. I'm currently the Director for Special Education in the Archdiocese of Washington. I'm in my third year with ADW. Can't believe it. <laughs> Time flies. Uh, prior to this role, I served at one of our Catholic high schools, working with students who learn differently. And then really the bulk of my career was in local public school system. I was a special educator in a high school for many, many years. And eventually I moved um, into central office um, as a testing specialist. Oh, okay. So you've spent a little bit of time in assessment yourself. Oh, yeah. About um, eight years. And actually when I was in the classroom, I was a school test coordinator for, I believe, about four years. So, yeah, about 12 years in assessment. Okay, great. So what do you think is the most important priority for our special education students? Um, honestly, Vicki, is to be included in all aspects of school, um, be able to participate fully, to be able to share their gifts with others, to really feel that they belong to that class and whatever is going on in that <laughs> classroom. So, yeah, to be to be included. Right. And now thinking about assessment, um, there's a big, there's a key word of authentic assessment. So can you explain the importance of authentic assessment? Yeah. And I, I love authentic assessment. So I, I, first of all, we get these new words that come along, but authentic assessment has been around a long, long time. It's just not all teachers have used it in time. I mean, probably when you were in school, I know when I was in school, there were certain ways a teacher would assess us that wasn't necessarily paper and pencil. Um, that allowed us to show them what we knew. And I can remember certain projects like that. I remember, believe it or not, um, it was eighth grade and we were doing a poetry lesson and our job was to find 10 quotes and cut out pictures that represented that quote. And I remember how much I really learned about poetry and really digging into the meaning of it. So authentic assessment is something that's it's important because it's very worthwhile, it's very meaningful. It's more direct way of measuring what someone knows and is able to do. Um, it really means putting your learning into action. So I think I always tell when I, when I speak to groups, I always talk about how adults are, are evaluated in the workplace. Generally, we're not given a paper and pencil test. What we're given is a performance-based assessment on how we apply our skills and knowledge. As educators, we uh, we, we're observed, um, we, we provide lessons, we show what we, we know how to do, and, and that's how we're evaluated. So in the classroom, some of the examples might be presentations, projects, debates, experiments, podcasts. <laughs> podcast is a great way to assess what a student knows and is able to do. So the list can really go on and on. So when you think about authentic assessment, I think the most important thing is um, teaching Think about what you're teaching 
and then think about how that actually applies to the world. Because so often I think with students in general, why are we learning this? What does this mean to me? So I think as an educator, it's, it's, it's our job to make sure that learning is very relevant because if a student knows and understands how it's applied in the world, then their learning is going to be so much neat, deeper. They're going to desk, um, deeply uh, grasp that conceptual knowledge. Um, I have an example of math. A lot of folks, I mean, some basic math is really easy to see how it might apply in the world. And I love math. So to me, everything I mm -hmm. look at has some mathematical meaning. <laughs> but um, I remember... Um, a tree fell down in my mother's mother-in-law's backyard and believe it or not, the earth opened up. <laughs> and what we found is that there was a well that had never been properly filled. And so that tree caused um, this, this deep, deep space to open. So of course the question is, what do you do? Well, one thing of course you could have done is you could have just um, called somebody to take care of this problem. Or the other thing you could do is one, you could research how to fill a well. Two, you use your math skills to figure out how deep the well is, what the volume of that space is, and to be able to move forward. So that's putting real learning into action. Um, you're using the skills that you know. So that, that would be very you're right. You're right. I actually remember, I saw this a while ago. This is before the pandemic, but a teacher was actually doing authentic assessment um, in real life and bringing the videos, you know, using a YouTube channel and bringing the videos. So she was going in her everyday shopping, she'd be in Target and she would video herself shopping at Target and talking about, oh, this is on sale. So how much would the percent be, you know, the 20% off of this that I'm buying. And she would do the actual walk through each math problem as she was really shopping for her own goods. Then she'd get in the car afterwards and she'd ask the kids, you know, what would the total have been if I did this and this and this? And then that she, during the class, she would show her video and it was just such a, <laughs> such a great way to bring real world right into the classroom and make it so relatable because every child has shopped at Target with their parents. So it was one of those things that stuck in my head and what a great tool to be using right, right. now and, too. And we know that accessing prior knowledge is really going to help to cement learning. So making those connections is something that students understand. It's in their world, just really enhances their 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 ability to gain that knowledge. I love that teacher for doing that. That's a great idea. I know, I know. And I always thought to myself, if I ever go back in the classroom, I have to do something like that because it always mm -hmm. stuck with me. <laughs> uh, so when it comes in terms of assignments or assessments, there's there's two big terms, modifications and accommodations. Can you explain the difference in the two terms? Yeah, and, and you know, this is really important, Vicki, because there is a lot of confusion on what that means. So the word modify in general just means to change. So modifications actually change what the student is expected to learn. So the learning goal is altered. Um, an example might be the class is writing a research paper. So they have all these steps involved to gather the sources, to um, write a thesis, to develop supporting uh, paragraphs, to come to a conclusion at the end. Um, and so you're looking at you know several pages of writing, but the process of a research paper 
many steps that bring you to the writing process. So a modified version of this might be um, gather, gather the information, gather your research, but you're going to create a slideshow or you're going to put together an outline. Um, so the theme or the general topic is the same, but that writing goal of having X number of pages written is changed. So that is an example of how something can be modified. Whereas an accommodation just changes how a student learns. One thing to really think about a modification, and I, I'm using a modification right now are my glasses. I'm, I'm sorry, an accommodation mm -hmm. right now is my glasses. Um, I, I can't see up close um, anymore, <laughs> but so my yeah. glasses are the accommodation I need to have access to the reading material. Doesn't mean I can't read the material here. It's just that I need, um, I need an accommodation in order to do so. So the, an accommodation allows the access to learning. The, the learning goal remains the same. So let's go back to that um, research assignment. So perhaps right. now, maybe that assignment's going to be chunked. It's going to be broken down into smaller pieces. So let's say um, by the end of this week, I need to bring to my teacher five um, resources I'm going to use um, or citations for my paper. And then on the next step might be that I'm going to write a short synopsis and, and maybe they're going to break it down that, okay, now you need to write your thesis statement. And, and so it's chunked along the way. At the end of the, the day, the student's going to end up with a, a recess, uh, I'm sorry, a resource, a research uh, paper, but it's going to be broken down into smaller pieces so that person can get to their goal. So the expectation remains the same and a final research paper will be produced. Awesome. So I guess for right now, a lot of our students are doing the virtual learning. So can you give some examples of some of those accommodations for virtual sure. learning? I, the virtual environment naturally has many great tools for accommodations. Um, and the really neat part about that is a lot of the tools out there they're accessible. They're free. Um, you don't have to pay an exorbitant amount of money. I mean, we've come so far in technology and we understand accessibility now. So, for example, you might have audiobooks for students, um, those students that need to be able to hear it as, as well as follow along with the text. Um, text to speech features, um, speech to text features, timers built into devices, easy to access class notes. Um, recorded lessons that a student can actually pause, take a moment to process the information they just heard, take a note, rewind it a little bit if they need to, hear it again, um, and, and take it at their own pace. So th those type of mm -hmm. tools are out there. Um, many of our teachers, whether they're in virtual environments or um, in the classroom, uh, use these tools with students and introduce them to them. But the, the virtual environment has so many things out there. And again, as I said, the beauty of those tools is that so many of them can be accessed at, at no cost. Right. I know a lot of our, even the textbook companies, it's wonderful that the tools that are already included in those online textbooks for the students. Um, do you have any advice or tips for teachers as they create their own assessments for special education students? Well, anyone that knows me is going to be like, oh, no, there she goes. She's preaching again about differentiation. <laughs> <laughs> but 
differentiation is really important. So I will say just differentiate, differentiate your assessments. All students benefit from this. So that's, that's one of the things I want you to think about. Um, differentiating something will help you to look at a task or uh, an assessment and cater it to the many different students. I mean, students that are on one end of the spectrum to the other end and everyone in between. So everyone's going to benefit. So consider assessments that tap into various learning preferences and interests, assessments that can be tiered. You can assess the same goal, but your approach might be different. Develop assessments that can be like a mix of creative projects, such as acting out a scene in a play, um, something very practical, mm -hmm. like making a how-to manual, um, writing directions for something, um, or something that might be more analytical, um, writing a research paper or an essay. And if you notice, those kind of things that I just said circle right on back to authentic assessment. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And a, a big theme that's been happening over the past webinars has been voice and choice. Mm -hmm. And that seems to be the, you know, that's the ticket to uh, assessment, especially right now in the, in the virtual hybrid world that can carry over to back when we're back in the buildings full time. You're, you're so right. And I, I love choice. Anytime you can give a student a choice on how they want to be assessed or what kind of a project they want to take on. I think that um, adds such a um, powerful message to your student that, hey, I believe in you in that you can choose your learning. And that's really great. I think also sometimes, though, it's, it's on the other side of that. It's important that maybe so I'm, I'm not the most uh, creative person. Um, I push myself to have to do something mm -hmm. that is creative, um, something that might look artistic. So that's just not a part of how my brain works, but it's good for me to push myself that way. So sometimes it's okay for a teacher to say to Anne, hey, Anne, you're going to act out the scene in a play. <laughs> Please don't ask me mm -hmm. to sing, mm -hmm. but you, you're, that's what you will <laughs> be doing. Um, I want you to do this project and, and, and Vicki, you get to, I want you to do this. So maybe get people away from their real comfort zone. I'm, I'm not necessarily think that's the way that you should do it in the assessment mode, but perhaps when you're giving uh, tasks for students to practice, that is a great way of just maybe pushing them a little bit in an area that is not always the most comfortable. Right. Even giving them, like you said, like three options in that artistic yep. side. So acting or singing or, you know, drawing, something like that. So then they're pushed out of their comfort zone, but still get to pick which, which, you yep. know, avenue. Yep. Uh, so you kind of touched on this a little bit earlier, but are there any tech tools or resources that parents or families should be aware of that are out there right so now? So with the tech tools, um, many people are familiar with Google products. And so Google provides a lot of tools, um, extensions to use in conjunction with their G Suite. You can find so many great things there. Um, I spoke about voice typing or um, speech to text and text to speech. You can find those type of uh, uh, tools. Mm -hmm. um, Microsoft also has tools available um, for education. Um, in general, I, I recommend, and you mentioned it with um, textbooks, but look at accessibility features for products. Um, a lot of products come with those features that people don't even know is there. So you can enable them. And um, um, I see that a lot with products with uh, read alouds. So, 
but you may right. be really surprised how many options are out there. Um, a, a, a website that I think is really good for families is understood.org. Um, this site's designed to serve families of students who learn and think differently. Um, but they have so many great tools and resources on the site to assist families. Um, there's things for educators as well, but it really, it, it stays, it, the site keeps itself very much up to date. So if you went there today, you're likely going to find a bunch of resources on you know, how to work with your student in a virtual environment. And, and this site is not just for students who have learn and think differently. Any family can go and just check out what kind of things might I try out or what kind of suggestions are out there. So they use a lot of experts in, in education and in um, other fields to really bring good resources and tools in. It's a very easy to navigate uh, website as well. Perfect. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, where can our ADW resource educators find out more information? Well, Catholic Schools Office just purchased Schoology, <laughs> which I'm so excited about. Um, as you know, Schoology is a learning management system allowing you to create courses and groups. And so I have a resource teacher group, and I am so, so excited about this because it's a secure place where my teachers can collaborate, share, discuss. I'll be able to post documents and forms that they need. And sometimes they're in different places right now, but it's going to be in one place. And I'm so excited about that. But awesome. I, I really see this as a powerful tool in promoting and sharing what we do, how we do it. We have teachers at, you know, all different schools and they're experts in so many different things. And, and I know that if, if I need some help with maybe a reading program that I'm not familiar with, I know where my teacher is um, across, you know, the state or across uh, into DC that, you know, is really good at this and I, I, I can reach out. So this brings us all together and it'll connect us. So I'm really thrilled about it. And if you're an ADW resource teacher out there and you haven't joined yet, please, please, please join this group. <laughs> Oh, well, thank you so much, Anne. Um, I know I've learned so much about this, uh, and I, I know this is going to be so informative for our ADW teachers and for all the other educators out there that are listening to this. So I just want to thank you so much for your time. And if you want to get a hold of Anne Dillon, her email address is D-I-L-L-O-N-A at ADW.org. Thanks, Vicki. Thanks for listening. If you have ideas for future topics, make sure to email me mccannv at adw.org and hit that subscribe button.